Hi, everyone. Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations, the one podcast created exclusively for people who are on their journey to build their family with donor conception. I'm your host, Lisa Schumann. As a researcher, a therapist, and an expert in donor conception, I am passionate about helping people on their family building journey. After decades of work in the field, working at the best fertility clinics in the world, and through my own group, the Center for Family Building, I have run workshops for donor-conceived children and have met thousands of donors and recipients. And through this, I have learned so much, and I would like to share these things with you. In this podcast, my guests and I will share the tools and the truths that you need to have a better path to parenthood or to help you tackle tough parenting issues. If it's about donor conception, we're going to talk about it. And today, I am welcoming Ivan Fatovich the founder and CEO of Madamily, an online website that helps people build their families. They provide several services, but I'm going to let Yvonne talk to you about them. And it's a very new and interesting way to look at donor conception, which I think a lot of you will be very uh, curious about. But it's so fascinating that our world is changing. And I think that Yvonne has really taken hold of that and brought on a new way for us all to see donor conception. So welcome, Yvonne. Nice to see you again. Hi, Lisa. Nice to see you again, too. Thanks for so having tell me. tell us. You're welcome. Tell us a little bit about Madamily and how it works and how you started the group. So Madamily, short for Modern Family, I started it around 10 years ago in New York City. I was lived in Los Angeles most of my adult life, and um, but I grew up uh, in Fort Lee, New Jersey, right over the bridge there. And I I moved back to New York for a few years, and you know I was on the more traditional uh, dating apps like Match.com of the day and OkCupid and sites like that. And a lot of my friends in my peer group were, you know, 35, approaching 40. Many were still single. Many were uh, not married. My female friends in particular were, you know, starting to feel the ticking of the biological clock and they needed to make some decision. And some of them in particular were, you know, one of their top life goals was to become a mother. And they found themselves in a position where they were single and they felt that time was running out because in the, in the dating world, you know, you usually get to, you have to get to know someone. This is not, you know, have a baby next week with someone you meet online. Right. And, and maybe they would date someone for six months or a year and then realize this person is not serious about starting a family and not ready. And then most of the relationships that they were finding on these apps were more, uh, you know, casual hookups and are people that were just looking for a good time and not really looking to start a family. So I had one friend in particular who she was exploring sperm donation. She was exploring adoption. She was, you know, talking to uh, agencies in India about adopting and, and looking at all the other options. She would go out on dates and after, you know, a couple of drinks, be like, I want to have, you know, four children in the next five years mm -hmm. or something. And, you know, not exactly what a, a typical guy wants to hear on the first date. Right. And I told her I, as a joke, I said, you're sounds like you're on a different dating site called um, dateinseminate.com. Something I just like made up on the spot and everyone kind of laughed. And but then they thought about it and they're like, wait, does something like that exist? Because I would consider joining it because this is a different way of solving this problem that I'm having. So that was kind of like the light bulb moment. And um, I kind of was started doing some research and I came up with, um, I, I found out about the concept of co-parenting where people have children together 
they, they might have been in a romantic relationship. They might just be friends. It could be a gay man and a straight woman and all these other modern family arrangements that have been kind of quietly happening for a while, but it was never really conscious or in an organized way. Usually, usually people, you know, say you're a lesbian couple or single mom by choice would, um, they would ask one of their friends if they would be their donor. And, and then, you know, if you don't have friends, then, then you have to think of other options. And traditionally you'd go to the anonymous sperm bank, like the California cryobank or something like that, where you never get to meet the person. The kid doesn't know who their bio dad is. You know, maybe when they're 18, they can meet the person. But, you know, what I found is that a child usually wants to know a lot earlier than that. And even if they don't have, you know, a day-to-day relationship with their donor, they want to they wanna meet the person. And maybe when they get older, have a, a some kind of relationship with them that grows over time. Yeah. And I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it all different ways. But that's that's kind of how it got started. Well, that's fantastic. And so you used to be an actor, yeah. right? And you decided to give it all up to do this. Well, yeah, when I first moved to LA in the late 90s, I was an actor. And then I worked on all sides of the, in Hollywood of the business. I worked at one of the large talent agencies and management companies. I've worked at production companies. I've, I've written screenplays. Wow. So I've been on all sides of that. And then I also even worked in uh, finance and um, in wealth management during the financial crisis. Uh, after I got frustrated with Hollywood and, and then started my damnly after that, when I was, uh, I was back in New York, I was, you know, spent most of my adult life in Los Angeles and meeting new, diff- you know, different kinds of people. And, um, and I just saw a kind of need for, for, for a service like this. So I really just took, um, what some people liked about some of the more traditional dating sites, say like, you know, profile pictures and, compatibility questions but instead of sex and dating questions i would ask questions about parenting style and lifestyle and you know what they're looking for in a donor or a co-parent and then it kind of grew from there and then we started you know developing relationships with surrogacy agencies egg donor agencies family therapists modern family attorneys that you know they might have done adoption agreements or a donor agreement but now they're doing co-parenting agreements and and known donor agreements so we have almost 100,000 people on the platform right now and uh, over a thousand babies born around the world on, in either a, a co-parenting or a, a donor relationship. And I feel like we're still just getting started. We have, a, we have a great major new update to the app that's coming out very, very soon. And uh, I think it's going to even greatly improve the platform now. And, uh, and so, you know, people can either use the app or the website kind of similar to a dating app, but you're instead you're looking for your donor or your co-parent. And uh, we also have Madame Concierge, where in a few cities like New York and Los Angeles, San Francisco, even London and Toronto, I've helped people personally where I can vet the donors and co-parents. I can get a family history. I, I basically do the searching and vetting for the clients so they don't have to, you know, uh, on an app, sometimes if you when you connect with someone, a lot of times you can pretty quickly know if this is the person you want to continue to get to know or not, but then you might be stuck on a, a date or something like that for a few hours. But so I do that part for you. And uh, after uh, after I, I speak with a client, I kind of get a sense of what they're looking for. And then I, I go out there and, and find it for them. And then I pre-interview that person. And if I think it's someone that the client would like, I'll introduce them. And then it's really up to them to get to know each other. You know, I also stress that you don't, like I said earlier, like, you know, this is not meet someone online and have a baby next week. This is especially particularly in a co-parenting situation. Most people that had success got to know each other for six months to a year before they decided, you know, if they want to try to get pregnant or get an agreement together and uh, start planning that. Donors can move a lot faster. I could usually help, uh, say, a single mom by choice or a lesbian couple 
find, I've even helped men find surrogacy, uh, a surrogate and egg donor. But um, I would say that more of the target market is um, is uh, single moms by choice and, and lesbian couples on the donor side, where they they just prefer to meet the donor instead of having an anonymous donor. Uh, although they maintain you know full control, they're the legal parents, they're responsible for everything, but they can have a relationship with the donor that's that they control where they're you know maybe they they see the person once in a while or once a year or not at all or or every day or you know whatever situation works best for them and i've seen all different levels of involvement sometimes even the, i've seen donors that want to help out with the child and i've had one person offer to pay for the child's education who was a donor and you know i've seen uh, people living next door and and just having like you know, it's a, it's a real like, modern family where it's like multiple people and um, and the child feels uh, love and support and consistency. And uh, um, it's been a pretty positive thing. And I think it's really just starting. I mean, the first my family baby was born in 2013, I think. And uh, so that baby is not even 10 years old right now. So I think it's uh, something that's really still in its early stages. And you know, let's talk again in uh, 10 years and see where uh, some of those children uh, have ended up. But, um, but from, for the most part, I've, I've, I've seen uh, people had positive experiences from at least knowing that they have an alternate option to, um, to start their family when they thought they had no options other than what the traditional ways that they were thinking. Wow. Well, that's so much. So there's a lot to unpack there, Ivan. There's a lot of things to think about. Um, I guess my first question yeah. for you is something that I think people are going to be thinking about. And that is that, as you probably know, more and more people, because there is such a strong desire to know your donor and in sperm donation, it's not as quite as easy as an egg donation, that many people these days are finding donors online, which, are, you know, can be very complicated it can be very scary for a lot of people. There are, you know, some people who are very well intended and some people who are not. And so maybe you can tell our listeners like what makes Madamly different and you know, than let's say going on Facebook and finding a donor or one of these groups online. Yeah. Uh yeah. So I would say that when when you're going online to find a donor, there's probably, you know, three different ways that people do that. One is a sperm bank, which is usually anonymous where you can you know, you don't get to see adult pictures of the person, you don't, uh, you could hear their voice, you can see their baby pictures and a lot of information, which is really great. And that's a good arrangement for for some people, because some people don't want to know the donor, they just want to, they want, they're the family, they, they, they don't want a conflict, they don't want a third party involved. And that's totally understandable. And then if you're looking for a known donor, people either go to one of these, you know, Facebook groups, which a lot of them could be, uh, you know, the Wild West, where you're on your own, you don't know, what this person's intentions are. You don't really know how many babies they've had around the world. You know, some some of these donors have fathered um, hundreds of kids. Some even have their own websites uh, that you can that have been profiled on TV. And some of them, you know, they've had children all over the world. Where you know the laws are different in every country and state. And and these donors have not gotten paperwork and they've been sued for child support. And, and that, or sometimes the donor would want some custody. And then these things need to be talked about beforehand. And that's why we definitely recommend any donation. Like you need an agreement. You need to, you need to consciously um, know what you're getting into. It's good to see, talk to a therapist before you embark on these things. So you can um, answer any questions that you might have. So I would say, you know, these Facebook groups, what I, what I see a lot in them is that I see a lot of women that they sound like they're in a big rush. They don't really care. You know, they, they want to find someone like today or tomorrow and get pregnant and meet them in a hotel room or something like that, which is something we totally don't recommend. 
which I know happens, but, um, and I assume sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. So I would say the difference with Madamely is, especially when you work with Madamely concierges, you know, we do, we do more vetting. We, we, we pre-interview the person, we get family health histories, we can do background checks, we can, we organize a blood work if, uh, if you decide this is someone that you want to move forward with and if they haven't been tested or tested their sperm quality or make sure they're, you know, uh, any kind of some egg, some egg, uh, some women have, a say like uh, conditions that they that they need to match with the right donor uh, to not make it a higher case of, you know, something like cystic fibrosis or something like that, or or the Ashkenazi gene where, you know, you just need to make sure that the people that the sperm and the egg are, are, are compatible and that you do that testing before you get pregnant. So I would say, you know, Madamely is is an affordable way to to find someone. And, and when you work with the concierge side, we help you do it responsibly and try to find you know, someone that uh, you develop a trust with and someone that is uh, is looking for the same type of arrangement and relationship that you are. Where uh, When you do it on your own on Facebook or something like that, it's kind of a lot to do by yourself. And you might not be aware of all the things that you need to be doing to responsibly come up with an arrangement like this. So I guess that brings me to my next question. So do you work in conjunction with the attorneys to try to help kind of vet some of these people or make sure that everything's kind of in alignment or the donor's wishes are, are going to be, there's some degree of, of course, having to be able to be compatible, right? The donor and the recipient in terms of what they both want out of the relationship, yep. how they see their future is going to be. But then there's also a piece of it that's going to be important. Does that person, as you said, have any criminal history? Is there a psychological history? Right. Are there going to be legal problems? And so are you thinking about those things as you're kind of looking at the donor or are you working with outside providers or how does that work? Yeah, usually we work with outside providers for that where, you know, because the laws are different in every state. So something that's, you know, legal in New York or California might be a different story in Kansas or Alabama or Florida or something somewhere like that. So I would say some of those other things you were talking about, you know, we've worked with therapists before to find out, you know, just so people can get in the room together and discuss any potential concerns they might have. So they really understand the relationship because some people, you know, the difference between a co-parent and a donor are two very different things. And, yes. and some people don't understand that. Some people think, uh, they're like, oh, I just want a donor, but you know, but I do want 50, 50 involvement. I'm like, but, but that's not a donor. That's a, that's a co-parent. Right. So co-parent is more like, you know, a divorced family without the divorce. And ideally, you know, there might be a prenup or a, a divorce agreement. And you talk about custody and who's responsible for what financially, but in a co-parenting situation, uh, you know, usually both parents are on the birth certificate, they're both legal parents, they're both obligated. And a donor, even if it's a known donor, you know, that person is not a legal parent, that person is not financially responsible. And uh, you need to know, but you know, how you get pregnant and how you go about the whole process could determine if you are the legal parent, or if you are, you know, responsible or not. And those things need to be figured out beforehand. And then having an agreement with an attorney, um, you know, in, in, in the state that you live in or the country that you live in, you know, I've had to deal with people that, you know, say like someone in, in Canada found a donor in the United States, and then now you're dealing with two countries. And, 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 and so I just really try to, I, I basically introduce our clients on the concierge side to, to professionals in their local community that has the expertise in, in, in terms of the laws and logistics of, of how they uh, embark on a, on a modern arrangement like this. And then 
as far as like the compatibility side, I try to help people tell them the right way to go about things and not rush into things. I say, you need to develop a trust with this person. You need to get to know them, you know, cause a background check, sure. You know, a background check will pretty much only tell you, you know, if the person has been to jail, you know, if they got a DUI or something like that, maybe you can find out their credit score. Right. You're not going to find out if they're, you know, a drug or alcohol addict. You're not going to find out if, um, if they have mental issues. Exactly. And tell you what, you know, you can marry someone and you might not know these things as well. So like until much later, until you're spending a lot of time with them. So that's why I recommend everyone, you know, not to rush into things. We, you know, we could facilitate these, these checks and, and do some, you know, testing on the psychological side, do the legal agreements, but, you know, we don't do them um, ourselves because we're not, we're not experts in that area. We, we focus on the, the introductions and kind of uh, letting people know how, how to proceed responsibly, uh, responsibly, but it's, it's ultimately up to them. You know, ha- sometimes people have financial constraints and they, they want to skip some steps, but I, I really tell them to some of these basic ones that, they, that it's worth the money because it can cost you a lot more in the end if you don't do it responsibly in the beginning. I'm with you 100% on that, Yvonne. We, we, and, you know, we had spoken earlier, you and I met for coffee about these issues. And it, it is so important, I think, for our audience to kind of think about that and highlight that issue that it is really, really important to understand if you're using donor conception, that your donor has ha- had psychological screening, that a uh, background check is only going to show you what somebody was convicted for. Right. So if they were arrested for a crime or several crimes, or if they're a pedophile, or as you said, a drug addict, yeah. you wouldn't know. And so um, I think, you know, your, your words of advice are very valuable. And so you're really giving these um, clients of yours counsel about what's going to be helpful to them in their search and to really think through not just the short term of finding a donor and I like this person, but also the long-term implications of what is this going to mean for your future? What's it going to mean for the children? How are you going to kind of manage this co-parenting or known donor relationship Right. Um, and kind of sort out what's going to be important to someone before they move forward and choose a donor, which is very valuable. And I think something that people don't really think about because they just think, okay, well, I'm going to choose a donor. What is there to think about? So yeah. I think that's great. A lot of times when people, you know, think about choosing a donor, they just think about say the the physical characteristics. They're like, oh, I want someone with blue eyes or the same skin tone as my partner or myself or, you know, or, or something or someone that they dated before. And sure, that that those things come to play, and we definitely search for you know whatever physical descriptions are important to you. But we also search for you know education levels, religious affiliations. Uh, how important is that to you? Uh, if they're if they're interested in athletics or creativity, you know. But just also you have to remember, you know, just because your sperm donor went to Harvard doesn't mean your kid is going to Harvard. But sure, maybe maybe that means they're they they have a chance of of of, of having a you know a higher IQ or or, uh, or being more creative, or if you, you know, obviously if the donor is a former professional athlete or something like that, you know, you'll, you'll probably have some genetic blessings on, on that side, but nothing is guaranteed. So we try to get them to, to come up, you know, we come up with the criteria of like, what is most important to you? Is it, is it physical characteristics? Is it religion? Is it intelligence? Is it, you know, income? Uh, is it, is it, their value system? Does it complement your value system? And, you know, and also the type of arrangement that they're looking for. How often do they want to be involved? How often they don't want to be involved? So it, these are all the kind of um, uh, criteria that we 
tell the person to keep in mind and what we keep in mind when we're when we're interviewing people for clients. And, uh, you know, obviously, a lot of times you're not going to get, you know, everything all at the same time, like tall, dark and handsome, you know, makes a million dollars a year, went to Harvard and, uh, you know, played uh, semi-professional tennis or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you might get like two of those things. And um, uh, you, you just have to decide what's most uh, important. And then, you know, there's I feel like it's really just beginning because all over the world, I think there's a general trend of, you know, people are having kids later in life. People are having kids on their own more often than ever. You know, women are are are, are making just as much money. They're in the workforce. There, even more women are in college now than than men than there was, you know, 20, 30 years ago and yeah. and, and beyond. So women have more choice now. Their job is, you know, uh, the roles are are a little more balanced. Where you know, in the uh, 50, 60 years ago, their focus might have been to uh, you know find a great husband that makes the money, and then they they have the kids and take care of the house. And it's not really like that anymore. And women don't need to settle, so they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to marry someone um, just for the sake of having children. And they they have their independence, they have um, you know their their income and their success, and they want to be able to do it all and balance careers with family and 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 not have having children starting a family um, hinder their career and in individual pursuits. And I think that's the struggle a lot of people are having now. And I think also people are delaying children because having children is expensive. So. It's, um, you know, I think people get held back by like, oh, my God, especially, you know, the, a lot of people are living month to month. They didn't get that promotion yet. They're not saving. They're not they're putting money away in savings. Rent is higher than ever. And they think like if I'm, I feel like I'm barely surviving on my own, how am I going to bring a child into this world and have a and give them everything that I want to give them and offer them the best life possible? So, you know, that's why they're looking for partners, whether it's romantic or platonic. And on the donor side, I feel like they think it's important to to know the person and they want to find a donor that they can feel proud to introduce to their friends and family as this is my my daughter's uh, donor, uh, bio dad, and, 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 and someone that the, the child can identify with and meet. So I think those are the reasons why people are kind of interested in, in a, a known donor as opposed to the um, anonymous side. But, uh, but it, and I think it's just starting like, it, you know, around the world, people are having kids later in life. And um, and they have to make decisions. So we're we're seeing all these kind of families forming in you know in Europe and South America and in the United States and Australia. And I even get calls from you know Japan and Korea and China and Singapore, yeah. and where 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 people you know China had an issue where you only allowed to have one child, and it's usually a male child. You know, decades ago, so that's affecting them now because there's not enough men. There's too many women. I mean, it's too, there's not enough women. There's too many men and not enough women. And there's an imbalance and people are, are finding it a hard time to find partners. Same thing in Japan where, um, you know, the, 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 the family is very dominant and close part of a person's life. And the, the, the children can get a lot of pressure to find a partner and, and get married and have children and have a great career. And, you know, that's a, that's a growth area for us over there too, because there, people are looking for uh, other options than, than meeting the husband and wife, having, you know, two kids and, and the white picket fence, it's it's not necessarily, you know, like that anymore, but people are kind of rolling with the times and trying to trying to figure out the best way that they can accomplish all, all their life goals. Right. And it is so complicated because, as you said, this, you know, you have to really make a good match and you're, you might look yep. for all of these things in a donor. And if you were to use donor from a, a sperm bank, then you maybe could kind of check off those boxes. 
but now you're dealing with a real person who also has yep. interests, right? You're a donor, and which which is really wonderful about talking to the donor is that you know many things, but I think is that also we know that that donor is signing up for the right thing, right? Very often donors will say, okay, I'm going to donate my sperm and then kind of go about their merry way. And lo and behold, 20 years later, they've got all these offspring and they don't know how to handle it. And there's so much that happens, right? Here, you know, you know what you're getting into and, you know, you're talking to these donors about the relationship that they want to have with the recipients and what that's going to look like and what their, you know, visitation is going to look like, or do they feel comfortable with living in the same town or practicing the same religion or sharing holidays or there's so many things that they really have to think about. And, um, and so being able to kind of vet some of those things early on in the process, I think is a great service for people. Yeah. And I also, um, you know, I try to when on the, in a known donor relationship. You know, generally speaking, the people looking for a known donor, they don't want someone that has twenty different kids, like you, like you said before. They really want someone that you know they do this once or twice, and then yeah, sure, if they have if they get married later in life or they have their own children, their own families, that's to be expected. You know, there's no way to control how many times someone is um, a donor right now. Yeah. But uh, I, I try to, in the interviews, and I try to, um, you know, suss out their intentions. Why, you know, why are they doing this? How many times have they done this? And I try to really go with people that are that are not the serial donor type, but really they, that they want that relationship of knowing that they help some, uh, someone else start a family and they can have some involvement and they could be a friend of the family, like a great uncle type of role. That's kind of the scenario that I, I try to, that I think works well and what, what people are really looking for when they're in, embarking on a known donor relationship instead of the, you know, the serial donor that, that has a, a few dozen kids around the world and, um, and he's not really, you know, involved in any of them. And, uh, you know, I think that's a, if, if it's a relationship like that, then you might as well just use an anonymous sperm bank where, where you, at least they've, uh, you know, they've tested the sperm. It's been quarantined and, and uh it's a process that's worked for for decades yeah so it's really it's really tough to to prove any of these things so you need you really need to develop that it goes back to the trust of like getting to know the person for a longer period of time than just rushing into something and and you know having a a baby a week after or trying to have a you know get pregnant a week after you you meet someone it's really i really recommend like getting to know the person even on donor side like you know you could even talk to their families or friends and and just have that relationship. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, I do have to say, of course, I, th- I do think it's important to do the psychological screening too, so everyone kind of knows what they're getting into. But it is so important to kind of uh, also have that that trust and that feeling that everyone understands what they're getting into and what they want to do with this relationship. What I've also uh, been seeing just recently in a small just a small amount is that there seems to be, um, you know, a movement towards people having not just maybe the single parent with kids, but also multiple parents or extended families that look a little bit different where maybe you have like, you know, as you said, like you have a lesbian couple and then you have a man who's also co-parenting or I have, um, a, 
family where I have three people who are involved in the children's lives and they're using different genetics mm-hmm. and all three of them live together and they've worked out the situation that's really working for everybody. It's kind of like living with an extended family. And it's interesting because from yeah. as an American, and I don't know if they'll be many international people listening to this podcast, but as an American, I kind of see a nuclear family a little bit differently. That's what I grew up with. But when I see my international patients, some of them say, particularly a lot of my patients from South America will say, well, that's how we do it here anyway, right? We have this community and, you know, I left and my, my uncle took care of me because I left to America and took care of me for a year. And then I came back and then, you know, somebody else took care of me. And then my sister went to somebody else's for, you know, six months. And we just have this big extended family and community. And so maybe in some ways, um, you know, we're moving back to that kind of more communal experience. Yeah. Takes a village. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, you know, even in my own, you know, I'm in, I'm in a relationship for over a decade now with my, my girlfriend has two kids from a previous marriage and, and her ex has a, a girlfriend and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, I've been helping raise those kids for, for 10 years and I've seen other friends of mine and also people from a family that they live next door to each other, or it could be a lesbian couple and a gay couple that, that live next door and they, they, the kids can go back and forth. They, they, they've, um, you know, usually say a lesbian couple, they, if they can, they would love, you know, sometimes only one of the women wants to get pregnant. Sometimes both of them want to get pregnant at some point and, and they would love to use the same donor. I, I even heard of people using, you know, someone's, um, their brother or their, you know, or their sister to be a donor, mm-hmm. like to, yep. to, to have some kind of genetic similarities to their partner. Yes. Which is great. And I, I think that's, um, I think those things are, you know, p- as people are growing up and there's so many with the 23s and me's and the DNA testing and all the ways that you can, um, you know, find your, what used to be an anonymous donor back if you had, a, you know, if you were born in the eighties or something like that, it's becoming easier and easier to find, you know, any siblings, any kind of people that are, that are related to you that you didn't know before, whether it was through a donor or, or your, your parents got divorced and you're, and then they had more kids with somebody else. And it's all just one big modern family. And it's, uh, you know, we have to face the facts that, you know, the traditional marriage uh, that that people have are used to and kind of drilled into their head since they were very small, you know, 50% of the time that that relationship fails and, and kids are living in two different homes. That's just something, especially, you know, my generation and people younger than me, they've, you know, we've, we've all, we've all had friends that got, that have divorced parents and got remarried and have half brothers and half sisters. And, and then, you know, LGBTQs are, ha- are having children now more than ever. And since, since a uh, gay marriage became legal a while ago, and, uh, you know, these things are, are constantly evolving. And, uh, I do need, I, need, I do think that the, the laws, uh, of our country need to, to catch up to, uh, the way people are having some of these families and, and some of these modern families, if they're not necessarily married. They should still have some of the legal protections and advantages and say tax advantages and things like that of, of people who are married. If you're raising a kid together, even if you're married or not, I think you should, um, you know, that is, that is a version of a, a family. Mm-hmm. You're both, um, you know, involved and you're both putting, uh, time and effort into, into making this child feel loved and, and have a consistent life and not see, you know, uh, a different person walking through the door every week and, and knowing what the schedule is and, you know, kids, kids are, are, 
they get used to whatever situation they're in. So even if they have to, if they're going between homes or they, you know, you have two mommies or two daddies or three people that are, that you're, that you call your parents, it's fine. As long as, as long as the messaging is consistent and, and the, the school systems that these um, families go to um, are accepting and understanding and, and don't try to, uh, you know, ridicule the um, people that are, that are just trying to, to, you know, start a family and have a family and have that uh, love and trust with um, with each other. Uh, I think we all need to be more uh, supportive of those those kinds of families. Yes, I agree. And I also agree. And, you know, I want to emphasize that it is so important to make sure that we're open to all these new ideas. And at the same time, very cognizant of what you're saying is that we need to make sure that we have all the legal protections in place that we do the psychological screening that we do everything we can and ha- and to really think forward because ultimately it's a child's life who's going to be most affected by these arrangements so we have to think about the best interests of the child first right and also on a on a national level like you know there's 50 different states with 50 different laws and i think there should be some kind of uniformity in terms of when people are starting a family and whether you know determining whether someone's a donor or a parent and- yeah they got to get it together on a on a federal level to uh, just have some basic protections for for uh, people starting families like this. I agree. I agree. And we're going to have to wind down now. But um, I hope that Ivan, you come back uh, because I think you're sharing a lot of really important information for people to think about, and hopefully planting some seeds about what the options are that we don't have to just kind of rush ahead and choose a donor, even though it's certainly understandable to feel that way because, you know, for women, uh, their biological clock is ticking and there may be a strong desire to just kind of get the donor chosen and move forward. But all of these things are so important to consider because it is the rest of your life. So thank you so exactly. much for coming. And can before we end, can you share um, with our audience where people can find you and any information that will be valuable for them online? Sure. You could just go to modamily.com, M-O-D-A-M-I-L-Y, short for Modern Family. Um, you can download the app on iOS or Android uh, uh, or, or create an account on the website. And um, concierge at modamily.com if you want to inquire about um, our known donor search program, our co-parent search in certain cities. Happy to talk to everyone and, and, uh, and give them advice and, and help. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Terrific. Thank you so much for coming. Really, really appreciate seeing you again. You too. And for all of you out there, thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe. That's how we keep going. And you can find us on familybuilding.net. You can look around. We have lots of information. And you can certainly join our mailing list and be part of our community. We would love to have you.